Hey guys, welcome back to the Bark Side of the Moon podcast. Today's episode is a fun one in which myself and Anne discuss one of our favourite topics, enrichment. We talk about what enrichment really means, as against what people may think it means. And also give lots of simple ideas on how to enrich your dog's life straight away, which of course will not just enrich their lives, but also your lives too. So we hope you enjoy. Hey Anne, how's it going? Hi Graham, how are you? All good, how are you? Good, good. Good, good. Excited to be back again. Yes, good to have you back. Good. And this is a really fun Thank one, you. hopefully. Yeah, this <laughs> is my favourite one. This is the one, isn't yeah. it? This is the one I've been holding out for. I did all the others just to get to this one. This is true. This is true. <laughs> uh, well, you do have the best. In, you know, again, I'm biased, but you do have the best blog about it. So let's talk about exactly. it. So, yeah, so exactly. Yeah, so we're going to talk about enrichment, fun stuff. Yay. Yeah. So there's... <laughs> No, probably no better time uh, than right now to talk about enrichment and how life changing it can be, not just for uh, the dog, but obviously for you too. It's never been easier also to create and provide enrichment for your dog uh, every day with all the options out there now, toy wise, treat wise, chew wise, the list goes on. There's loads of stuff out there now that you can put your hands on pretty easily and you can really use so many things that you possibly may never have taught to use <laughs> yeah. too. That could easily be exactly. just lying around your house and garden. It mm-hmm. often makes the best stuff. Um, yeah. So you created and still run your um, unbelievable 100 Days of Enrichment blog. Um, so I just thought maybe let's talk today about the benefits of using enrichment regularly with your dogs and try and give everyone some easy ideas that they can try out straight away. Sound good? Great. I'm in. Okay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. So... Why should dog owners provide enrichment for the dogs, Anne? Well, it's interesting that what you said there now in the intro, because I actually think it's a really tough time for pet owners to provide like a super enriched life for their dogs. Mm -hmm. And that's because the lifestyle that dogs are expected to be okay with um, has changed and has become increasingly more sedentary and socially isolated for dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, People are more likely to choose dogs as pets that probably have you know or a lot of the time not all the time but a lot of the time have behavioral needs that you know extend beyond a pet life Mm -hmm. so and life has changed because for the most part now and changed again because it's been changing for decades and then we had lockdown and it was all weird and surreal and it's starting to go back to more normality and we have more and more people uh, returning to working outside of the home again mm. um, and this is causing similar um, kind of effects that those changes that have you know were happening on a kind of a more drawn out basis on a more chronic basis they're happening more acutely now with people that have been available to their dogs largely 24 7 for the last two years and now Mm. all of a sudden that's that's not happening anymore so i think you know and that you know dogs have changed as well and the sort of the dogs that make up the population of pet dogs has changed because you know in when we were growing up when we were kids you know, in the 80s, people got dogs because somebody down the road had, you know, some dog had a litter or whatever. So we had Mm. these dogs that were reared and born in the environment in which they were going to be expected to live. And there was a level of kind of natural selection to it and that their parents had survived in this in this, um, you know, kind of this environment. And now these puppies would have the same kind of genetics and rearing. Um, And there were, you know, expectations were lower and dogs had more access to the world. And yes, you know, we talk a lot about um, from a welfare point of view, the kind of how much choice an animal has in their day to day life and dogs that were living 
that life before kind of leash laws and, and all of that kind of came in and it came in here in Ireland in the early 90s. Um, you know, those dogs were interacting with other dogs. They had a much more, uh, le- a far less contrived kind of exposure to the world. Mm. And it was a far more natural kind of uh, level of kind of social and environmental exposure. Um, and that's that really changed. And it changed for a number of reasons. And it changed because we had leash laws that said that dogs had to be confined on the owner's property. And we had women returning to work, mm-hmm. um, which I'm a big fan of because I'm a woman who works. Yeah, but um, it did have an impact on uh, dogs because now they were far more socially uh, isolated mm. and their exp- their environmental and social exposure was f- had to be far more contrived um, and had to be something that we actively did to them uh, rather than something that happened to them because they were living that life. So really, despite the fact that there's loads of toys and there's an increased awareness of what enrichment is or providing an enriched life is, um, it's actually much harder to do, or certainly I think it is. It's much harder for pet owners to do, which is probably why we have to talk about it and why we have to do a podcast on it, I suppose. And the thing is, is that enrichment has become a bit of a buzzword. Oh, yeah. And that's good and bad Mm -hmm. uh, because it's good that people are talking about it and there's an awareness of, you know, this sort of stuff out there. Uh, But it's kind of lost some of its meaning. It's often jumped on as a kind of a marketing tool um, and really enrichment is so much more than you know toys or food kind of based enrichment and yes it's important mm-hmm. and eating is certainly more than just you know the food and swallowing it which is what a lot of dogs do yeah. uh, but feeding behaviors have to be considered and things like that mm-hmm. um, and all of the feeding behaviors that, that, that dogs come with have to be considered but we do want to talk less about enrichment as being a thing and more about it being a process and not just a process but also an end goal Mm -hmm. so what's the outcome if we put this in what are actually the outcomes Mm. and that comes down to us talking about enrichment has to be enriching and I think that's something that's been lost in the kind of the fad part of this you know that dogs actually need to get something out of it and if you know people will say oh well he this happens when I do x activity with him and then you know, I, I'm not being glib when I say, well, that that's not an enriching uh, activity for him. That's not that the outcome is telling us the animal's behavior is telling us. So so I think that's certainly what we're going to delve into tonight, because I could talk about this for years. Yeah. So that's just what your <laughs> listeners want to hear. <laughs> and obviously I refer to toys and food and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah and so I'm I mean, blaming for, you <laughs> for every. Yeah, because that's what, you know, what you said a, a while ago, that's what's focused on. But uh, for example, my dog, you know, I, I've mm-hmm. spoken to you about yeah. it before with toys and stuff like that. And we've gotten yeah. her toys over the years and she's not that she will give up uh, with with certain mm-hmm. toys unless it's really easy for her. And I'm not sure whether it's because she didn't get it, get that sort of stuff when she was much, much younger or, or what. But her enrichment it would be much more to do with outside and what we do with her on her on her walk. Mm-hmm. She loves to sniff. She loves to. Uh, seek out things, find them, um, all of those kind of mm-hmm. things. So that's enriching yeah. for her. So I could have yeah. a big box of toys and it uh-huh. would mean very little Not to her. Not so much for her. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a common um, issue that a lot of people will report. They will mm. say that, oh, he tried to get the food out of there and then just gave up. And, you know, and there can be lots of reasons for that. Yeah. But one of the benefits to, you know, being th- these, this, you know, lots of different toys being available is, is that we can provide uh, so many different types and styles of things. So I know, you know, that there's one type of toy, but actually there's lots of different versions within mm-hmm. that range now because it's become so much more popular. 
popular or there's lots of other types that do, you know, do similar things mm. um, and might do it in a slightly easier way. And just like any teaching process, um, introducing things like that is a learning process. It's a shaping process. Mm. So we start with the easiest thing. And, you know, one of the things when we run, um, when we do guided runs of 100 days, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, like the first day is about stuffable toys. And we'll have lots of people say, oh, well, I gave him the stuffed toy and I went straight up to like level five of difficulty yeah. <laughs> for the first time and this dog is going wait a minute what the hell is going yeah. on yesterday I was just able to eat the stuff and now you know I have to wade through layers of all of this stuff yeah. what's happening yeah. um you know and so the thing is is that we start with the very easy very easiest thing for the dog always the dog's behavior is information mm -hmm. and you know if your dog isn't that into food toys or if you're not into going through that shaping process with them that's okay mm -hmm. and like you say you're providing other enrichment outlets for that animal and what it what it's actually more important here is then you know we want to look beyond food toys and beyond yeah. food enrichment that it's everything. actually about having an enriched uh, life yeah and that's actually what the most important thing is mm. um and that's what we want to do so it it you know so while on the 100 days program there's lots of food related things because a lot of dog behaviors are food related or certainly a lot of the dog behaviors that we mm -hmm. have selected for and against are food related so they're what we call part of this predatory sequence mm -hmm. this canid predatory sequence which is present in all of the dogs you know the different species of dogs and domestic dogs as well and what we've done with domestic dogs is is we've kind of exaggerated or we've inhibited different parts of that predatory sequence so the predatory sequence might include uh, behaviors such as sniffing tracking stalking chasing biting you know different types of biting all of those sorts mm -hmm. of predatory behaviors or behaviors that we associate with uh hunting and killing other things mm -hmm. um which all dogs come with and all yeah. dogs have to some extent in there um and but like that again we've exaggerated so in my dogs um bull breed dogs we've exaggerated chasing and we've exaggerated mm -hmm. kill biting and we've exaggerated biting and holding mm -hmm. so we've exaggerated we've selected for those um so and that that means that we've bred from individuals that showed those behaviors over generations so that we have individuals that are very much into all of that sort of stuff and then in maggie's your dog's kind of uh, lineage has been a lot of chasing yeah. and a lot of chase biting and those sorts of oh, yeah. uh, behaviors are great fun for her um <laughs> and again we've pre-programmed these animals to do this mm. and then they come and live a pet life and we say no that's not acceptable anymore mm. and they're like wait a minute uh, it's not possible for us to just turn this switch off because no. that switch goes on um, and that's what they have to do. So with, with dogs, it's a little bit more complicated because we're not just talking about species typical requirements um, for dogs. We're also talking about breed or type typical requirements mm -hmm. as well. So when it comes to enrichment for dogs, we're kind of dogs must have outlets for certain sorts of behavior mm -hmm. and we call those behavioral needs mm -hmm. okay so they must have appropriate outlets for those behaviors so that those those behaviors aren't exhibited in an unhealthy or an unsafe way mm. so this is normal natural and necessary behavior so for dogs we say that they need to have a lot of social contact and that might mean with people with other dogs with other species whatever floats their boat basically mm. um, but we have to remember that we've spent a hundred thousand years making dogs like people more than other 
anything else. And we've um, so so dogs need to have contact with people, social contact with people that's appropriate to them, that's enriching for them a lot of the time. And of course, one of the big problems we see and we're certainly seeing now are are this is this kind of explosion in separation related behavior because dogs have had a lot of social contact mm-hmm. and they form uh, often form proper attachment relationships with people. And then suddenly those people aren't available to them eight or 10 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And that is just not something that dogs are equipped to deal with. No. You know, we can, again, we can't spend hundreds of years and we've only spelt, spent a couple of hundred years on like direct selection where we've created breeds. But we, we've spent 100,000 years with these animals and we've spent all of that time making sure they like us more. And then we've suddenly said in the last couple of decades, we said, ah, you'll be fine without us for eight hours a day. Go on and, you know, sort yourself out. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just not something that dogs are able to do terribly well. Mm. We can't just suddenly decide to change that landscape for them. Um, and But yes, we expect them to do that. And here we are, yeah. <laughs> basically, uh, dealing with a lot of that. I mean, even as, as humans, uh, people struggle regularly to keep up with life um Mm -hmm. so (laughs) just the life just the whole thing (laughs) yeah it's 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 true though like i mean uh, you know um there's more kind of you know uh, mental health issues out there there's more uh help out there for everyone than 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 there's ever been Mm -hmm. but still recognition as well yeah but still it's reported Mm -hmm. that year on year it it grows it seems to get worse Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean so uh if 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 it's that difficult for the humans how difficult mm-hmm. is this for our doggies? You know, yeah. it's uh, massively yeah. difficult. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And like this world that we've constructed, particularly this urban or suburban world that we've constructed, that we have to navigate, mm. and even just the the social navigation of that is really complicated for people. So you can imagine then what it's like if you're a different species, yeah. um, <laughs> where the expectations where they're expected to comply as humans do or conform mm. as humans do and of course they come with a whole other set of of rules and behaviors so and that's the the most important thing we talk about social contact um and social interactions this kind of interactive enrichment where the animal will have an experience and then the the enrichment experience will will communicate back with them or we'll give them feedback Mm -hmm. Um, and so this social enrichment is obviously the most important but Mm -hmm. it's not always possible we can't be with dogs 24 7 and we also have to make sure that we're supplying an enriched life for dogs that might live in kennel accommodation Mm -hmm. for example um, and those sorts of things you know where uh, access to other dogs or access to social contact with people um, is going to be more limited Mm -hmm. so dogs have other behavioral needs that that need to be accommodated so they must have suitable resting places and i say numerous places mm-hmm. because so that they have a choice of where they rest mm-hmm. they must have places where they can go and they can kind of hide away so where they can choose or um how much social contact they can have or so how much social exposure they have um they must have access to functional spaces and dogs are find this very very important um so functional spaces refers to specific defined areas that you know they toilet in that's separate from a resting place mm-hmm. and separate from a feeding place so that they have they can move away from their bedding they can move away from their feeding area and they can toilet where you know it's keeping all those other living spaces clean mm-hmm. and that's often why dogs will will you know puppies you know in a toilet training scenario for example or new dogs in a toilet training scenario will toilet on you know um kind of absorbent areas yeah. so people will say oh they always once they get into that room as soon as they get into that room they'll toilet on the rug mm-hmm. um you know or on the carpet or you know if you put your jacket on the floor <laughs> they'll be on it because uh, they do that too mm-hmm. um and of course being toileting on absorbent surfaces allows it to soak away so kind of it's a little bit cleaner mm-hmm. for them um so it's really important that those behavioral needs are met in terms of having 
functional spaces. And of course, dogs must have mental and physical exercise, for want of a better word. Mm -hmm. They must have exposure to novel experiences so that they can explore Mm -hmm. and learn about the world. And most importantly, and what all of this is about, is they must have lots of opportunities to be a dog doing dog things. And that is something that's been largely forgotten. I talked to even students who are coming and studying with us to be dog trainers. I talk to them about what is natural, normal, necessary dog behavior. Mm. And the lists are very, very short, the lists of behaviors that they can come up with. So we've lost a little bit of an understanding Mm. about what it is that dogs need to do because they're dogs. So the behaviors that are the doggiest of their behavior, so it makes them dogs. Mm. Um, And that's really what this program is all about. Mm. Uh, I talk a whole lot about making sure that your dog's life is more dog. Mm. That's the like that's the whole thing. Yeah. So you know, and this entire approach is feeds into how we deal with everything. So everything is a needs based approach. So we look at the animal's behavior and we say, well, what is that behavior telling us about that individual's needs? Because dogs, like all other animals, they will always find ways to enrich their own lives, whether you're on board or not. Mm -hmm. So they will absolutely engage in behaviors um, that they need to do because these are behavioral needs. So these are like physical needs, like food and shelter and warmth. Mm -hmm. Um, So these behavioral needs they will engage in. And if we don't provide them with appropriate outlets those behaviors often become problematic mm-hmm. for people and they're you know and I'm, I'm not being glib in saying that they're they're when we talk about behavior problems we're often talking about the behaviors that people find problematic but that becomes a problem for dogs too it affects their welfare because they don't have appropriate outlets for those behaviors mm-hmm. and it affects their welfare because these behaviors are often poorly tolerated by people and can result in dogs being got rid of so providing them with those acceptable outlets and when we say acceptable they're acceptable to us Mm. so finding it's, it's about a compromise it's, yeah. it's about reducing the clash between the two species mm. um, and making sure that dogs get to do things that are doggy get to do doggy things that satisfy them and feed them in that way mm. but that are also accommodating of their humans preferences their human safety their humans needs and the resources their humans can provide them so it is a big compromise mm. um which is what social living is all about as we all know that's why it's so tricky <laughs> <It's great crack. laughs> and of course it it's so important crack. because yeah. yes yes yes, yes. <laughs> uh it's it, it is um i would like to be terribly boring without it <laughs> it's our enrichment isn't it oh, yeah uh, there that's you go one word that's for what, it all right yeah, yeah. well okay okay we, we, we won't go any further with that one then <laughs> so that's a whole other and of course the thing is is that dogs are natural puzzlers they like the journey and not just the result and there is a little you know and we could talk back and forth about the evidence for and against this idea of contra freeloading so contra freeloading refers to behaviors that animals will carry out to achieve a particular goal so for example they'll carry out a series of behaviors to get access to food even when that food is freely available like just in a bowl Mm. to the side or whatever and there are lots of uh, species that contra freeloading has been talked about in um, dogs being one of them um, and but within that there is great individual difference my dog is not a contra freeloader in any way shape or form not in any way shape or form and I have videos we do videos all that you know mm. with clients and with students all the time about like contra freeloading so offer them the same food in a food toy offer them the same food in a bowl or just on the floor or whatever mm. and 100% of the time consistently in every single context decor will 
pick the easy food. Uh, and I'm like, what? Yeah. I've made this 100 days program for you yeah. and you just, you're just a freeloader, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but lots of dogs are counter freeloaders and I do have some video examples up there of dogs doing that, of turning their nose up at the bowl, but engaging with a food puzzle, for example, to get the same food. Yeah, or even hand feeding or something like that. Yeah, mm. yeah, mm. sure, absolutely. You get that a lot um, with the pups. Yes, they'll, they'll yes. sit and look at the bowl and then look back up at you and cry. Look back at you. And that's because food mm. um, serves all sorts of functions in mm. our lives and in social animals' lives. Sure. So there is a social aspect to that. Um, and lots of other payoff from loads of behaviours that are, are, you know, and one of those being that you're going to hang around. So mm. oftentimes what people will do is they'll put the food down and then they'll leave the dog and the dog's like, wait a minute. Mm. Mm. don't go yeah. stay here um and that's one way that, that can that can happen for them mm. uh, that the person would hand feed them uh, so and we have to be careful though in, in that situation where we're not poisoning the food and i don't mean literally poisoning it we don't oh, care yeah. about that anyway <laughs> but but poisoning it from a behavioral point of view yeah. that they will associate the food with being left alone yeah and you know people will sometimes do that too with food puzzles because somebody will have told them or they will have read on the internet or whatever that oh just give them a kong toy or one of the canine connectable toys mm-hmm. or one of the you know one of the ranges of food toys mm. uh, that are available when you're leaving them alone mm. and the person will do that for the first couple of times and the dog is nice and quiet and they're lapping away or they're chewing away and then the dog starts to go oh wait a second this yeah. whenever this toy comes out that means they're about to leave me mm-hmm. and so we start to see this you know uh, reduction in eating when they're left alone reluctance to engage with the toy even in other contexts because the dog is super worried that this means that their human is going to leave yeah. um you know so we have to be really really careful with that if we're going to if we're going to use that uh, in any way when, when dogs are left alone, that actually I prefer not to when we're doing separation relation, related behavior work. Mm. I prefer not to use food toys mm. until we have nice, calm, chilled out behavior at home established. Uh, but if you are going to use it, you have to be really careful that you make sure. Yeah you're not you're not using it or you're using it in a very specific way if it means that you're going to leave them and a very different way the rest of the time yeah yeah absolutely not just to use yeah. it exclusively at those times and yeah. depending on the dog it could be mm-hmm. pretty immediate that they think oh no yeah <laughs> and i would say the age of the dog as well mm. so adolescent dogs are really likely to they can go a little bit funny on their food because there's growing and there's sex hormones that can mm. um inhibit appetite a little bit and there's all sorts of developmental processes and then they're also might be getting a little bit more worried about being left alone and things like that so we should be really careful with adolescent dogs because that can you know very easily turn into something a little bit more difficult to deal with a little bit more in depth yeah Sure. So you were talking there a little bit about uh, natural behaviours of dogs and mm-hmm. how little people know, or maybe they can list mm. off a few. Um, yeah. So how about maybe listing off a few of them and then uh, talking about the certain types of enrichment that you could provide outlets for those natural behaviours for or something, if you have any examples of that for people. So, so many. Yeah, well, I <laughs> like know again, you do. But yeah. This could be years. This could be years well, and years okay, and years. Okay, let's do like a, just a few. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I suppose the things, the first thing that we talk about is we talk about this kind of uh, predatory sequence. So all of these kind of prey related or predatory related behaviors, not prey related behaviors. Um, <laughs> so we talk about sniffing and chasing and tracking uh, and pouncing and cache, even caching food. So, you know, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. Taking food and bringing it over here or burying mm-hmm. it or hiding it under blankets or, you know, whatever. And some dogs even can show quite a bit of distress related behavior with that. So mm-hmm. they can kind of carry around the chew yeah. or the bone and kind of be whining and things like mm-hmm. that. Be conflicted about it. They're like, oh, you know, I want to do it, but I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't have a place to do it. I, I feel a bit worried about doing it here or I don't know how to deal with this or this is such an amazing thing. I'm overwhelmed yeah. by its amazing. Yeah, you can see that, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah. For some of them. So caching is is part of that too. We also have to talk about some of the uh behaviors that we find less, I suppose, acceptable. So things like chasing things, biting things, and different types of biting. So kill biting, biting yeah. to grip, bite all of these <laughs> things. Yeah, it gets really cheery now. Yeah. Um so there's well, tons it's, of it's true all though, because yeah. we would say we would have people in the rescue I worked for, we would have do- yeah. people trying to re- re- surrender dogs uh, because mm-hmm they've you know killed something or something do you know what i mean yeah, chickens or yeah whatever. and they would say yeah. oh you know she i never thought she would do that like my little yorkshire <laughs> terrier with the bow in her mm-hmm. hair and then she mm. killed something in the garden i i mean i yeah. can't we have visiting kids coming in i can't have yes. this and you're like okay you have a terrier number one okay let's mm. talk about that but uh yeah that's yeah it's just made me yeah trouble. And- and actually, terriers, that's a good point, because in, not in all dogs do we see this complete predatory sequence. Mm. So we haven't selected for it. So, for example, if you take hard eyed kind of herding that you might see in Border Collie mm-hmm. type dogs where they face the sheep head on. So you've probably seen that stalking oh, yeah. and like staring at them and the, the yo it's has amazing. her head down and all those mm. things. Yeah. So but that's a kind of an exaggeration of kind of this chasing and stalking yeah. behavior. But we don't want those dogs to actually complete that sequence. So we don't mm-hmm. want those dogs to go all the way through to biting and attacking and killing those sheep Mm -hmm. now it sometimes can happen um Mm -hmm. even in in trained dogs they can get a little bit it can be a little bit you know ott Mm -hmm. and they can jump in and bite at at a a or whatever Mm -hmm. Uh, it's frowned upon uh but they can do it Mm um and um um, so so there's an example of an incomplete predatory sequence. Now, in another context, that dog might show a complete predatory sequence, so it might chase a bunny or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terriers, for example, in a lot of terrier breeds, we've selected for a complete uh, predatory sequence. Mm-hmm. So it's particularly interesting when people go, oh, my insert terrier here um has killed chickens or ducks or rabbit or you know all yeah. these sorts of things or squirrel or rats and mice and stuff like that um and you're kind of going well yep yeah that's what they do yeah. i'm afraid uh, <laughs> and the thing is is that if we don't want our dogs doing that so we don't want our dog killing the neighborhood cat for example mm. or whatever um we have to make sure that they're they're getting acceptable outlets for those behaviors because they were born to do that. They mm. were made to do that, even though they lie in a sofa and they've discovered the joys of central heating. Um, mm-hmm. Don't let domestication fool you, I think is, is what I would say, because no. that process has actually exaggerated a lot of these um uh, behaviors and so we we see them in much stronger and there's a greater motivation to carry them out um in these in, in some of these dogs because that's again that's what we've been kind of asking them to do for ever yeah, <laughs> for yeah. their existence and yeah. their ancestors have done it uh, and all those sorts of things so and i'm not saying that providing them with more acceptable outlets do that means that they won't kill other things no, no. um or try to hmm. but it means that at least they're getting their jollies if we're doing our due diligence and managing them yeah. so that we prevent them from killing the neighbor's cat yeah yeah, um, yeah. yeah. please do that <laughs> <Go on. laughs> prevent them. yeah 
<laughs> Disaster. <laughs> so that's one, uh, uh, a couple of examples. Are any? Well, I know you have loads more. Any any other mm-hmm. ones that you want to go through? So I suppose to make sure that we're not just looking. I know I'm talking about this predatory sequence all the time, but make mm. sure that we're not just looking at that. That really, I suppose, that's to start to talk about. Well, what are the functions of enrichment, and what do dogs actually uh, need to be able to do this? And so mm. I suppose the first thing we need to look at is well, what exactly is enrichment? So enrichment really refers to things that we can add, things that we can adjust uh, or refine or take away in our dog's world so that they have more opportunities to choose to engage in species-typical behaviours. And Mm. for dogs, again, that might also be type or breed typical behaviours as well. So these behavioural needs refer to those kind of behavioural outlets that dogs must experience in order to be healthy. And when we talk about mental health or behavioural health or emotional health or psychological health, whatever you want to term it, Mm. that is as important and it's integrated into physical health so we can't actually separate them you can't have a physical body but be behaviorally unhealthy we can't have behavioral health and have a, a, a poor physical health mm. though you, you have a, it's a package deal it all comes together and so one of the things that we that we need to do is we need to look at well what are the things that we can do to make their entire world more conducive to them being able to choose to engage in behaviors that they need to do mm. so you know we need to make sure that we're increasing um their opportunity to choose so that they have more choices and like and i, I mentioned resting places earlier on and that's Mm -hmm. a really simple way of doing that of making sure that they have more opportunity to choose so what are the opportunities this dog has what sort of behaviors can they are are possibly available to them right now and we want to offer them or facilitate lots and lots of acceptable behaviors that allow them to get their jollies without putting them at risk or without um putting us at risk and keeping everybody healthy and all of those Mm. things um and so i suppose you know providing them with resting places but also providing them with choice in terms of how they interact with humans who are generally the most um influential social kind of entity in their lives Mm. because we dictate how they do everything and what they have access to everything and all of the things that happen in their lives are dictated by us in some way shape or form Mm. so how do they what choices can they can they um have or what are available to them in terms of how they interact with us um what choices do they have in terms of how they get their food what foods they get how do they get to choose foods is that something that's open to them do they have lots of choice of items to interact with do they have lots of choice for safe exploration so they can go places where they can just be a dog and it's totally safe for them to to do that Mm. um and so all of those are sorts of things that we want to make sure that we're doing because one of the things that we say in 100 days is that the dog is always right how Mm. they choose to interact with the enriched world that we provide them is how they do it Mm. no matter what we intended so we might have intended that the dog work out a puzzle in a particular way and there was this great video that that i share all the time of this uh bull terrier that's given like you know one of those slow feeders yeah like the bowl with Mm -hmm. all the kind of ridges in Mm -hmm. it or whatever i don't know what you call them and he walks up to he just rocks up to it he's totally on board with what he's about to do he just rocks up to it and he just puts a paw on the bowl yeah. the edge of the bowl and like flips the bowl yeah. so the bowl just turns over and just like kibbles go all over the place and uh, people are going you know well you know there's something wrong with him or you know mm. this is totally 
bonkers. And I'm like, well, no, there we go. We've attempted this. And our intention, our human world was that this was going to be a slow feeder because everything in dogs right now is about slowing them down and not allowing them ever get excited, which is total, you know, bull. Because yeah. Um, yeah, let's have some balance and nuance, please. Yeah. Uh, but like this dog was like, no, no, this is totally, this has worked out. It was obviously well-established behavior. This wasn't his first rodeo. Yeah. But how he does it, the dog is always right. And it kind of reflects what Skinner That's always so said fun. about the rats. The rat is always right. Um, no matter how the, the dog works it out or how they choose to engage, um, that's actually part of the enriching part of this because yeah. enrichment must provide choice. choice so yeah. If we, yeah, so mm. if we say enrichment must be enriching, well, part of that is is that we look at, well, the dog is always right in how they choose to interact with whatever we've put in place. And then it might be up to us that we have to adjust that mm-hmm. or refine it should we need to, you know, Uh, kind of achieve some other goal or need to keep them safe or whatever it is but that controllability is so important and because it allows the dog to understand oh my behavior matters Hmm. what i do has an impact there is an outcome there's a predictable outcome to my behavior and it matters it gets me things that i want and allows me Hmm. to avoid things i don't like and that's really important in terms of confidence boosting and stress busting which is an incredibly important um function of appropriate enrichment and i will say appropriate enrichment because when people when we say enrichment people think you know it's that toy or it's you know that's it you know that's quite limiting in terms of what that's come to mean um but actually appropriate enrichment is far wider than that so we're giving that dog the opportunity to do all the things they need to do how do we know what they want to do when we look at what they're already doing and this is really really important and i talk about this all the time i talk about collecting data to our students all the time and they want me to stop saying it a lot (laughs) but it is about (laughs) collecting data you don't that doesn't mean we have to do anything super formal it doesn't have to be spreadsheets although i would do spreadsheets but it doesn't have no. to be that no i know no, no, i'd never do that that would never be something i would do <laughs> um everybody gets so many spreadsheets for me <laughs> all the time because i love spreadsheets i love just the data i just love the numbers i love when we can get the numbers and we can go I know. and we all you love know, that you love all of that yes i know like and it. nobody <laughs> so else loves it it's fine say, hey, yeah, yeah do the thing yeah. Yeah, yeah i know i know i know but it's okay uh, that's my enrichment you see i'm getting my Uh, keeping everybody else happy too um but i love to be able to you know look at something and go oh well actually this is you know this is objective this is quantitative Mm. but uh, but i don't do this with pet owners because they would hate me yeah (laughs) (laughs) so so i would say is what is the dog already doing so they'll say oh well he's you know and people will immediately list behaviors they don't like their dogs doing so they will say things, oh, he's jumping up or he's barking or mm-hmm. he's digging or he's zooming or he's, you know, mm-hmm. insert all of those dog behaviors, mm-hmm. the normal, natural, necessary dog behaviors. Yeah, he's being a dog out there. Right, exactly. Uh, and all the, we, we only list the one the bits of being a dog that we don't like, that kind of clash with being a human. Yeah, um, don't you know. suit me at all. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and so people will say those things and I go, okay, well, that, that behavior is information. So mm. I never take what the dog is doing as being a negative. And I'm really, really on people about this. And I will say, well, let's think about the language that we use to describe this, because actually that's really valuable feedback. Mm-hmm. And that's really useful information. Thank you for sending me that video. Even though you hate this behavior, that actually gives me a huge amount of information. That dog is crying out to tell us what they need. Mm. And maybe they need, more access to social contact in a more appropriate way maybe they need access to more physical activity Mm. maybe they need more access to more appropriate mixes of activity Uh, maybe they need uh, the opportunity to sniff more maybe they need the opportunity to um, scavenge more because Mm. you know 
dogs are natural scavengers. And, mm. I mean, we didn't talk about that. We talked about uh, predatory sequence, but scavenging has been there for a very, very long time in the recent history of dogs. And I'm going to say it continues mm-hmm. uh, in the current <laughs> history of dogs. Uh, a lot of dogs are expert counter surfers. And um, <laughs> I saw a really cool quote from a book the other day, and now I can't remember the attribution and I'm going to have to look it up. But they were saying something along the lines of, you know, one of the things that you're going to have to accept if you get a new dog is you're going to have to accept that, you know, they're going to toilet in the wrong place and you're going to have to put your push your sandwich in further on the counter. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's totally apt. That's, that's so exactly good. what you have to do. I'm going to have to try and find that. Yeah. Credit that. If anybody knows, they need to tell me. Um, I, <laughs> I, I'm sure I've written it down somewhere because it was a book that I wanted to uh, read more. So I just have to find where I yeah. put that very special note. You know, when you put something away. Well, it's cool because carefully. that's so simple. And anyone that yeah. knows dogs is like, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Every We've all learned. Like dogs are way, and I always say this, dogs are way better people trainers than we are dog trainers. Mm. And so they have taught us to put our push our sandwiches and further back in the future yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. and t- taught us to get up earlier to get them out to go to the toilet and all of those sorts of things of course. so that's the relationship part of what they're teaching <laughs> yeah. us too well, they teach us a lot if we're <laughs> yes, open, if open to it yeah or even if we're yes. not i remember that video years ago if i think it was a husky or something like that that i'd figured out how to get up through the drawers oh um, yeah beagle it's a beagle, oh, it's a beagle was it's it? always a beagle of course it's yeah, a beagle yeah, there's graham, so, of course graham. it is well, yeah 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 huskies as well yeah, yeah. Um, no it's a beagle Definitely, there are so Those many beagles that have done that. Oh no, I'm not saying they're not smart, but yeah. beagles are like, oh yeah, they Experts. are tunnel visioned. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's one where the dog gets the, opens the microwave, goes up pushes the chair over, opens the drawers to climb in the drawer, oh opens God. the microwave and, t- and it's all on like the person's like camera. Sounds and more like an octopus than a dog. Yeah, <laughs> totally, it's unbelievable. It's hilarious. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I, love I, I just love that so much. Yeah, yeah. But there we go. And I, I think that might even be a video I use to kind of say, you know, dogs will enrich their lives. They will, yeah. they will find ways of entertaining themselves. And that beagle is telling us what he or she needs. She mm. needs more opportunities to scavenge. Um, Problem solved. Definitely, yeah, 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 more supervision, definitely too. <laughs> yeah. uh, don't leave your microwave unattended. And um, I worked with a client, this is years ago, I won't say what sort of dog it was, people will probably guess, but the dog learned to um, do the toaster. No way. Yeah, oh so God. they would put the toast down, they put the thing down, and the dog learned that they could press the, you know, the stop button or whatever, yeah. and the toast would come flying up. Oh my God, that's so and, handy. Yeah, hit the toast. <laughs> well, if you don't like toast, it is. It's great. It's hilarious. Uh, oh and there was God. a dog that was crying out for elaborate uh, feeding puzzles. And you know what? Mm. That's interesting, actually, because I say that because I'm kind of joking, but actually, maybe it's not. Maybe actually what would be really enriching for that dog is to get food that he doesn't have to work for. Yeah. Like we have to consider that too, mm. that they don't have to get, and I would absolutely be guil- have been guilty of this for many years saying, well, let's get rid of dog bowls and let's yeah. get um, dogs eating from food toys. And absolutely that was, you know, one extreme that we lent. And I would often say it knowing that the person might use, you know, a tiny little bit of the dog's food to feed from a food toy, but the rest mm-hmm. of the time it was just so easy. And I would always compromise and say, well, whatever works, you know, if I can get them out, feeding out of a Kong for one thing. And that was, we were really limited in the in terms of the types of food toys that we had available to mm-hmm. us. So we were readily available to pet owners and things like that. Um, but, you know, what I would actually say is don't be too extreme with this. Be really, really careful with this, uh, particularly when it comes to how those uh, food related toys or puzzles or whatever were introduced. I find a lot of the food dispensing puzzle kind of toys, mm-hmm. particularly some of those that you have to kind of bat around or move around or move little drawers or, you know, all those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, they tend to be driven by frustration. 
So the dog, mm. and like that dog with the slow feeder, the bull yeah. terrier with the slow feeder, yeah. like that behavior is motivated or was initially probably motivated by frustration. Yeah. Um, and is that enriching? That would be a question that we would have to ask. No. So if we're just frustrating, if they're super hungry, would we, you know, we've already, there's been a little tiny little bit of work that's looked at working dogs and the effect of them eating on an empty stomach. Were they more motivated? Were they more efficient in terms yes. of learning? And it's kind of called the breakfast effect that mm-hmm. actually dogs should have food before we're asking them to engage in learning now that makes sense because Mm -hmm. the brain is an incredibly glucose hungry organ it is the most glucose hungry organ so if we want our brain to do stuff we have to fuel our bodies Mm -hmm. so that the the brain can can access that fuel to uh, to run itself Mm -hmm. um so it's the same for dogs that if we want them to work and it was you know it was always coming from this place of well if we want to motivate them to eat we got to starve them and, you know, I think we probably could be better teachers now. Um, mm-hmm. And and certainly um, we don't want dogs to be frantic. We don't want dogs to be anxious because they are they don't know how to get the food yeah. because they can't learn it officially or haven't had the opportunity to learn it officially. And I want you to view these sorts of enrichment things exactly the same way as if you were working on like teaching loose leash walking or yeah. recall or sit or whatever, that we're teaching behaviours, we're just facilitating the environment uh, for them to do that. So it's really difficult for them to learn if they're desperate to get a hold of the food mm. um and then we're it, with that context we're associating that emotional response that's mm-hmm. contingent here too so if they feel anxious if they feel stressed if they feel frustrated uh, any of those kind of negative emotions associated with this well then we would have to ask is this actually enriching mm. um and that might not be that's probably not our goal our goal is not to increase the dog's anxiety mm. <laughs> it shouldn't yeah. be you're in the no. wrong business <laughs> if it is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but but certainly it shouldn't be so we do have to ask that so you know i will say to people let's feed them in whatever way works for them um and i have a dog who's super duper food motivated like we'll eat the lamb of god like i mean and we'll just eat anything we'll work for any food and we'll eat any food and any amount of food i mean he will do in the good old days when we used to be able to do these things but he would do a workshop for eight hours and would eat for that eight hours and then you would offer him exactly the same food at the end of the day and he'd be like "Ooh, food (laughs) you know like there was just no no filling no ending the motivation because Mm -hmm. but also because he wanted to do the stuff he was having a lot of fun with yeah. stuff and food is, is a stuff and then he was really sick last october he nearly died oh, and no. he lost he, he lost a ton of body weight he lost like three kilos in, in two days uh two yeah, days. So, yeah so he had a foreign body uh stuck in his intestine and he went through into susception and everything where the intestinal oh. cordians back up on itself and Whoa. he was he didn't eat for four days and if th- this oh, dog yeah. has never refused food in his life yeah. like i mean there was never a situation where food was refused um, and he refused food so we knew it was like uh, this is a medical emergency yeah. when this is happening um, and like a teeny tiny proportion of dogs that uh, go through um, foreign body obstruction it was a mm-hmm. linear foreign body obstruction in the gut live after they've you know after it's been in there for like more than three days mm-hmm. so he's you know and this is we're well clear of that now touch wood uh, and Great. we don't have a repeat thing yeah. I hope um, um, but um, he lost three kilos in two days so he lost he lost almost four kilos across the kind of the the few days he we were doing all the investigations and surgery and all those sorts of things wow. um uh, yeah he just didn't eat i mean he was on fluids all the time and i brought him home every night rather than admitting him overnight and leaving mm. him so he was on fluids at home and all those things and he had to be because he was literally wasting away i mean he looked like a you know one of these dogs and then had for cruelty to animals oh, or whatever no. And I've definitely noticed a change in, and he was cachectic, which means that's kind of, that would be a kind of a, a specific type of starvation okay. uh, that happens to the body where it eats kind of the muscle, it eats the protein. Oh, yeah. 
yeah mm. and so it'd be associated with cancer or chemotherapy mm. a lot yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, in dogs too uh, as well as people and particularly in cats as well right. um and so he was cachectic and that has meant a definite change in his um i'm gonna say motivation for food uh, even now even though he's back to health and all those sorts of things his motivation for food is you know crackers and we have to be really really careful of riding that line between yeah, how much he wants it and and how anxious he is getting because he, he can't kind of think clearly enough to work out how to get it mm. so that that's a that's a really important thing that we have to be aware of and that was a dog who you know use of food toys and things like that were very gradually shaped so he never experienced frustration with that in his entire life and learned was you know guided in learning the skills to empty the toys and things like that and if you give him a new toy that he's never had he works out really fast because he has a, t- a big behavioral repertoire in that okay. in that context but now i have to be really careful about giving him things because he will become frustrated quickly um and he would be a fella you know who would you know lose control quick enough like you know god love him Uh, he's an impulsive guy let's say and um so i'd be really careful monitoring uh his frustration now um and making sure that we can shape him back to being less worried about not being able to get the stuff um you know because it's just tipped him over a point now we don't it, it doesn't happen i don't let it happen or anything like that but i would just have to monitor that now and so i can totally understand where people would talk about the dog getting frustrated really quickly giving up really fast because if you don't have the behavioral tools to do it yes you get frustrated but frustration is you know it's an aversive it's it's Mm. an aversive situation so you can give up and just stop and not want to be exposed to that aversive situation anymore Mm. and so a lot of the time when people say oh they'll just give up really quick i wonder how has frustration played a part uh in this dog's you know, uh, kind of experience with this context. And so mm-hmm. we want to go back and look at that and make sure that that's not what they associate uh, with that and be really, really careful with that. And also dogs that are super kind of, um, you know, overly excited about food, they might be a little mm. bit guardy, they might be a little bit worried about it. They might have come from a starvation situation. Yeah, yeah. Really careful with those dogs too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, making sure that they have access to free, safe food, and then this is an addition to them, and we can slowly wean it that way and teach them the skills to get the food once they've they feel they've been satisfied that they've had the food. Yeah. Um, and you know, and again, it's about keeping it enriching, so it must actually be beneficial to the dog. Yeah, like with again, like with with Maggie, if I do any mm-hmm. of the hiding the treats in those kind of mm-hmm. little compartments and stuff, she's like, "Are you kidding yeah. me?" take them out yeah. and give them to me I don't yes, want to do that myself um, yeah. but she'll do the you know coconut oil peanut butter or whatever it is on that she loves that yeah she loves that sort yes, of stuff yes, you yes, know good. Um, yeah. but she'd much rather if I if I hid some uh, stuff in her bed or around the place that she go and sniff yeah. it out and find it you oh, know what yeah. I mean she, she, yeah. that's her that, that would be her favourite bit of uh, absolutely of so that but, tells you what she needs yeah yeah, yeah. She's yeah, she's like (laughs) yeah, she's a gas dog. Um, but uh, she gets like I said, her her favorite thing, and she gets the most animated she gets all day is when she knows she's going out and she gets herself all Mm -hmm. all giddy when she knows it's ready to go because that is her thing is sniffing out and the ears are up. She's watching for something that she might be might get a chase out of. That's that's her (laughs) thing. Yes. So um, there there's some really cool examples, and then of course there might be people. Uh, listening there now to go oh god that sounds like a lot of work and a lot of thinking i've got to do right. um yeah so what are the benefits to the to the humans then when they provide the enrichment for the dogs yeah <laughs> go yeah and i think that, yes exactly <laughs> do the spiel so i think it's important um that people do feel benefits from it i mean it's like it's a relationship so mm. if our dogs are getting joy from it we should be getting joy from it 
right? So that we're, we're all in this together. And definitely there, you know, people will enjoy watching their dogs engage in social interactions with other dogs, definitely. So that, you know, there's a lot of social enrichment from that. But also people enjoy giving their dogs uh, puzzles that their dog works out and, and stuff like that. So, so that's absolutely, you know, the shared joy in all of that. One of the big benefits I tend to see with people who come and participate in the 100 Days is, is that they actually start to develop a greater understanding of what um, their dog is telling them with their behavior again. So it's probably because I've been drilling into their poor brains that behavior is information and it's just feedback telling you about what your dog needs. Um, and I've been, you know, really wrecking their head with all that stuff. So, it, you know, eventually. Do we need t shirts? Do we need t shirts yeah, and stickers? I know. I know. I, know. I should have a tattooed to my forehead. Not just for dogs. Save a lot of typing. Sure. For yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I talk about it with big clients as well that their behavior is information. Yeah. Um, so, but what I tend to find is, is that people start to develop a greater understanding of the behavior that their dog is exhibiting and again taking it as feedback and understanding that okay my dog is telling me that they need something and what Mm. that actually does is that's quite empowering because you throw your hands up and you go oh my god he's digging the garden or he's pulling a lead or whatever he's jumping up or whatever it is what am I going to do Mm. and the advice that you'll often get is about you know you have to adapt this energy or some other you know (laughs) untold mysterious magic that you have to do but actually if we just take their behavior as (laughs) as information um that empowers us because we go wait a second we control the environment that our dogs live in pretty much Mm. so we can make we are able to it's within our power within our ability to make changes that are going to adjust our dog's environment and and provide for their needs so we're removing the motivation part of uh, of how behavior happens so behavior happens because the dog is motivated to do it and they're motivated to do it um you know a hungry dog for example we talked about dogs and hunger so a hungry dog might be more motivated to carry out behaviors um that get them food for example and so if we're reducing the motivation part it's easier for us to manage and prevent them carrying out behaviors that we don't need so we give them alternative more acceptable outlets and let them do all of that sort of stuff so that's Mm. definitely something there's an empowering uh, there for pet owners and a greater understanding we see their dog's behavior improve now it does take time so there's an expectation that you know Again, because we might watch TV dog trainers, for example, and everything is fixed in 30 minutes with ads, um, you know, so it's like it's really, really fast and it's really, really rapid. And, and to get, the, you know, that 30 minute results that might take, you know, a lot of suppression of behavior and certainly management. So suppressing behavior through management is important um, mm. to keep everybody safe and to stop you know, prevent rehearsal of behavior because they're already really good at it. Mm. But, you know, after that, it takes a little bit of time to reduce motivation. So to teach the dog that actually you're going to get your outlets, you're going to get your jollies elsewhere. Mm. Um, and that takes a little bit of time. And yeah. I think that's an expectation that people have, you know, in, in that there's going to be quicker. And what I tend to say to people is, well, if you want to try and see how easy behavior change is, you first. And yeah. as soon as we're tasked with any sort of behavior change, uh, we begin to understand, oh, yeah, it's actually really difficult. Really? <laughs> Really yeah you know it is yeah. yeah that's why it's you know there's so many failed new year's resolutions for example yeah. <laughs> behavior change is really really tough and <laughs> there's behavior change required if from the people in this sort of thing as well so that we have to take a slightly different tact we have to look at the language that we're using to describe our dog's behavior and we have to maybe Uh, change our environment which means our lifestyle is affected as well Mm. uh, to facilitate behavior change for our dogs as well but it is worth it um but it does take some time and there will be some effort involved in it but hopefully it's effort that is you know not like work 
right? Mm. And that's like the existence of the 100 days, the entire 100 days thing. I mean, it started in kind of IT tech kind of coding things and you'd see it with like a lot of creative stuff like 100 mm-hmm. days of whatever uh, art or whatever it is yeah, yeah. um and i thought that was like pre-2019 because i think i wrote that at the end of 2018 and mm. it was published i think at the beginning of 2019 again i have no concept of time like before covid i don't know yeah well, it <laughs> seems it to be totally around different. longer than that but nearly you i think you it's only because yeah i only think that's because the last two years felt really long <laughs> I think that's why that seems, but it was pre-COVID. Yeah, it was 2019. Uh, I think it was January, maybe February 2019. It was Mm. um, published, I guess, Uh, but I was writing it at the end of 2018 because it's a lot of stuff. Um, Mm. But um, that's the point of that was that you would engage in a 100-day challenge and that would hopefully give you long enough exposure to that that you would be able to keep up those behaviour changes afterwards. Yeah. Uh, Maybe not as intensively, but that, this this is what it, it would do for you and certainly we get in we generally get into about day 30 and we start to see a drop off of people because again behavior change is hard yeah. uh, but those that stick around for it i mean we have people that are doing it over and over and over again they I do know. it every time i run a it proper army They're, out there Great. yeah yeah really nice community cool uh, mm, it's lovely yeah it's the best part of it um and they do it over and over again and they might dip in and out this year but they'll go full on in it or they'll get a new dog or a new cat or whatever and they'll go full on at it the next time and stuff like that and it's always available there but we do run guide uh, run guided runs um throughout the year as well when i have some time because uh, <laughs> it is all encompassing um mm. which is what you referred so, to early on as well like there's it's all right having access like i said this it's easier in a lot of ways to, yes. to provide it but having yeah. the time or being willing to 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 yeah. put that time in that's mm-hmm. that's a completely different thing as well yeah yeah and i mean if people only did 10 days or five days yeah. out of the entire thing and kept those things going even irregularly with their dogs mm. they will have improvements and their dogs will will have you know so a better a better life for it and that's what everybody wants every pet owner wants that there's no pet owner out there going oh i hope my dog has a crappy life yeah, uh, exactly. like that's not that's not what they're doing uh, that's not what they want to do you know yeah. <laughs> dogs aren't stuffed toys and they do need to have things to do and we can't just expect them to live a sedentary human life boredom affects dogs too yeah of course and you were saying earlier like yeah of course it takes time and Mm -hmm. and effort and stuff like that and like there there really isn't any kind of quick fix really for anything worth you know what's worthwhile doing like especially if you're sitting there going my dog is doing x y and z and i wish they didn't Mm -hmm. or you know that kind of thing so it's going to take some time and and effort but like you said you don't have to do the whole 100 days you could dip your toe in and even come in and out of it um Mm -hmm. and and get a a feel for it and you might actually feel like god this is something i actually really like to do and we're both benefiting yeah from i'm sure there are people that are part of that group that were thinking "Mm, i don't know about this and then they got into it and they were like wow this is awesome i love it (laughs) yeah and they can go and help other people and dogs as well that's exactly that's been a huge part of it and that's a lot of people will talk to me about 100 days and they will say oh you should do it in a book and all those things and absolutely oh, yeah. that's something that's that doable <laughs> yeah it's probably not going to happen Graham I'm yeah. sorry I, I, this is fielded all the time and I have to disappoint yeah. people all the time because as soon as you have a book it becomes static yeah, and actually it's true. the community effect of it and the fact that we're updating it all the time and I'm updating it with their ideas so like there's a feedback from that as well they they have the opportunity to adapt and adjust the, the challenges in whatever mm. way suits them um, and suits their dog and I go oh that's really cool can I add that to the thing um, and we'll do that so you lose a little bit 
of that. But there is something that's coming that I'm working on in my head um, mm. and not really gone down on paper, but uh, there is something coming in that, that won't be a book of 100 days. That'll always be as it is, you know, online yeah, and, and available. You've explained and why. Because yeah. it's, it's kind of a live document. Yeah, really. and it's a kind of a community-based thing. Yeah. They kind of have it and they run with it. And it's actually that feedback and the way it works in that community is actually mm. what's really valuable. So it's run through a Facebook group. So I'm talking yeah. because everybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, it's run through a Facebook group because uh, it really isn't another form. Like I know Facebook is a terrible place, but there isn't really another place that facilitates that sort of, of activity so that's where it is right now it might go somewhere else at some other point but right now it's on Facebook mm-hmm. um, and in the in a Facebook group that anybody can join and you just join up and I'll add you no problem um, and the stuff is always on the blog too and I'm sure we'll provide links and all those sort of things mm-hmm. but um, that's the kind of the benefit of it and the people will you know, kind of bring on their friends and get other pet owners to join and recommend it to other pet owners. Yeah. And there's a ton of feedback from that community, you know, from people who've done it and they will talk about their experiences with it and what they should do and what they think about it. And it's, you know, when we do a guided run, it's quite well managed and, and we make sure that the advice that's going out is appropriate and, and you know, sticks with the ethos of, of 100 days and things like that. But it is about learning and education. So it's not about telling anybody off or anything like that. Yeah, uh, We don't do that. Uh, <laughs> we, we do or plus all the time for people yeah. to. Um, but that's that's the point of um, of the 100 days program is, is that it's to support behavior change for both people. And the, the side effect of, of that is that there'll be behavior change in the dog as well. And I love when we have, we do a run and then maybe six months later that year, or early the next year or whatever, and people come back and they're going, I'm doing this for the second time because the, and the changes in the dog's behavior has been, you know, monumental and there's been these big differences um, and things like that. And that's fantastic. Yeah. So everybody's happier. Absolutely. It's, mm. it's so awesome. And uh, only it's all I know the enrichment thing is a buzz thing and I, I see mm-hmm. it grow everywhere and there's lots of benefits to it. But yeah, yours is continuing to grow and, I, and there's no reason why it, why it won't. And that's why we're talking about it uh, here as well to yeah. try and reach as many people that like I, I tell everybody about it. Um, oh, I love Francis you. tells everybody about <laughs> it. Everybody that's that use it because it's it's it helps us in our day to day. Obviously yeah. as well to give are really, really smart, um, super smart, um, outgoing puppies. They, they need, yes. even though our oh, pups yeah. are brought, they get lots of other types of enrichment outside the yeah. home because obviously being a puppy raiser yes. means you have the time to bring them more places and spend all of that time with them, hopefully. Um, yeah. So enrichment is, is something that they get, but still we have the other ones that um, they need extra. So your mm-hmm. blog is, is just brilliant to dip into and uh, there uh, a lot of them are, are used frequently by our guys. So, Good, yeah. I'm glad to hear it. So, I love it. You're famous. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, With my dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, um, so, okay, right. So what are some kind of simple examples then of enrichment that people can try at home easily then? So the, the easiest ones are always the food-based ones. Yeah. Um, and I tend to be really, really simplistic with it. And again, we've gone through all of the puzzles and we've done all the things. And like Decker is an absolute tester for all of these things. So as soon as we get, there's a new toy out, we're getting it and we're trying it out and things like that. And then we keep, we keep the ones that work for him mm-hmm. as an individual or uh, work in, again, within the ethos of this uh, program. Um, but the food ones are the easiest ones. And the easiest way to feed dogs is to, just take the bowl of food and scatter it all over the floor or into the grass or mm. some way that 
they have to go and snuffle each bit out of it. And they love that. And you can buy snuffle mats now. You can make snuffle mats mm -hmm. if, you know, and there's, again, there's instructions in 100 days about how to make a snuffle mat. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, if you're that way inclined, <laughs> you have time to do that. Um, away you go. It's not for Super me. Fun. Uh, mm -hmm. Yes. Well, there are people like crafty people like to do them oh, yeah. and make them and make gorgeous ones. Mm -hmm. It's not my thing. Uh, mm -hmm. But sure, you know, that's whatever you're into again enrichment for you and it'll be individualized which is a rule about something being enriching um yeah. and so you know <laughs> but snuffle mats like we used to only be able to get them by making them and i mean we were using mats that we bought you know in like hardware stores to make them and stuff like yeah. that but now you can buy them and they're beautifully constructed yeah. and put together and things like that and i mean you can get them in little now i bought one of those uh, little um once they had the pet thing going on in Little there, and I saw yeah. one and I just got it because we didn't have that type of snuffle mats. Cool. The dog obviously needs all of the types of snuffle mm. mats. Um, yeah. <laughs> and this is what I spend all my money on. <laughs> dog toys. Um, so we have that. And uh, it's a really portable one. So it's actually really handy. Oh, it's cool. really small and light. So and it I kind missed of comes that one. With, like, yeah. yeah, no, you definitely missed it. Um, and it kind of has a drawstring on it, so you can kind of draw it up into a, like a ball. Oh. So it's actually really cool for carrying around and things like that. It's not heavy, it's really light. Um, so well, that, I really missed that, that one. exists. Mm. Yeah, that's a really cool good one. one. Um, and that's a really easy way of providing, so maybe you don't have access to grass. Maybe your dog can't go out there. Maybe, yeah, you live in the yeah, yeah. maybe it's just super muddy because it's Ireland and it just <laughs> rains all the time. Um, so letting them go out isn't always an option. So snuffle mats can be a really handy way. And the great thing about snuffle mats is, is that that there isn't like there isn't a level that the dog gets to and goes oh he's just an expert at that so you know like mm. with the dog with the slow feeder or with those puzzles yeah. where they immediately just know how to do a b and it's done yeah. and so you would say okay well is that really you know a challenge anymore for them you know it's no different than anything else but the snuffle mat is always you know whether they're skilled or not there's still challenge in having to find it and again you want to start with the easiest snuffle mat you get so i'll often encourage people to start puppies with like bath mats bathroom mats you yeah know? so the more you can see the food the easier it is for the dog mm -hmm. to find it so start with those ones and get them going and use higher value foods mm. to get them motivated to do it so they actually get into it and then you can add some kibbles to it you can add a more challenging mat you can you know add more challenging aspects to it but start off gradually and that's the easiest way to do that for dogs like mm -hmm. it's they enjoy doing it sniffing is is cool behavior for them um because it helps in lots of ways in terms of you know kind of it's an all-absorbing behavior for mm -hmm. them so they're you know totally into it it takes up a huge amount of brain energy um and so we'll often talk about it maybe bringing them down a little bit mm -hmm. from if they're wound up and stuff like that and for a lot of dogs that's the case not the case for all dogs uh, but it's certainly the case for a lot of dogs mm. um and so you know all of those things can be beneficial uh, for dogs um and and beneficial for people as well um and snuffle mat is just a, a really cool and easy way of doing that or snuffling sniffing and snuffling for their food mm. uh, is a really cool way of doing that and then you mentioned things like lapping and stuff like that mm. lapping is often quite relaxing behavior for dogs as well yeah. there's lots of cool ways of adding that and one of the things that i will do to, to introduce food toys you know food dispensing toys to dogs is actually put the lappable stuff like the pate or cream cheese or whatever it is on the outside of the toy yeah yeah so that's really super easy for the dog to get a hold of and uh, they immediately win so it's about getting these immediate wins mm -hmm. um so that their their behavior is worthwhile doing um and we're shaping those early behaviors until they're getting better and better at taking it from inside the the stuff and dog, what's really cool about it is is that again the dog is always right so dogs will develop strategies for completing all of these things and achieving those goals so like decker will have lots of different ways that he does stuffed toys for example okay. so he'll 
chew them to soften it and loosen it. Mm. He'll drop them. Yeah. He'll lap from them. He'll do all the things. Like he'll go climb up onto his bed or up onto something and drop them from a height. Yeah. So the stuff goes everywhere and things like that. And I love those. You know, they just they just invent ways to to work this it's out. It's not necessarily anything that I would have you know intended for them to do but they will come up with all of these ways um of of completing it and again because he's always right the dog is always right mm. that works that's what, that's yeah. what you do that that works for you go go for it uh providing it's not hurting anybody so you know you've got all of those <laughs> yeah. yeah that's the important thing um you've got all of those food toys and like you you know nowadays and it's great because you walk into a pet shop and there's huge aisles of all of these different yeah. uh, food toys and there's lots of different options to suit every size of dog and each dog's preference and all those sorts of things so that's absolutely something that you can do there's a ton of homemade puzzles you can do as well mm -hmm. and one of the things that we're always talking about this is no matter what we give our dogs we want to make sure that they're safe oh, yeah. so dogs are kind of idiots when it comes to putting stuff into their body <laughs> so they don't really think about the repercussions they think well is it you know, can I swallow it? Mm. Um, Think about it later. Like, yeah, exactly. We'll deal with the repercussions <laughs> afterwards. Um, and so we do have to be careful with that. So you do need to know your dog mm. um, and have an idea of how they'll respond to things. But we tend to use a lot of recycling. So you said earlier on that, you know, there's loads of stuff that you can have in your garden or house that you can use to um, to make food puzzles and things like that for your dogs. And actually, that's how I see the world now. I yeah. go into like a hardware store and I'm actually going, oh, that would be a cool thing. And I have no idea what the real function of this item is, but I go, well, actually, I can see. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Or boxes and packaging. Yeah, boxes. Get really yeah. cool kind of shapes and all sorts of things. Mm. Um, and I'll treasure those because they're fantastic and they might be totally unique and unusual, but they can offer really good things. And I think a lot of people will talk about that. And I have like a whole recycling corner that just looks like rubbish, but actually it's all this stuff. It is. For making <laughs> puzzles. Like, <laughs> you know, it is rubbish too. Uh, like toilet rolls and boxes. Oh, toilet rolls are great. Yeah. Yeah, they're fantastic. God, if anybody just tuned in now and heard us talking yeah. about how great toilet rolls are, it's like delete. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You can edit that out. But it's it's true. Like, um, often for the puppy raisers, they'll say, yeah. you know, they go, I always tell, tell them, you know, whatever you do, don't go into the pet shop and say yeah. you've just got a puppy because oh, they will try and things. luckily for our razors we're able to tell them all this because yes. other people wouldn't know and they spend hundreds maybe on lots of stuff that they don't maybe need and then you've got a, a noisy crinkly toy you know that mm -hmm. you spent 20 25 euro on easily maybe and you can make that out of an old um mm -hmm. yeah, bottle wrapped in a sock um safely yeah. you know with something you know what i mean and it's yeah the dog knows no different to get so much um yeah. out of it and often they'd say you know what i made that toy and out of everything he has that's his favorite thing that's the thing he loves um, yeah. you know but it's it's true you can you can make things out of anything plant pots all sorts of stuff that's mm -hmm. hanging around um, and yeah. it, it, it always makes me smile too when people send me pictures of stuff and they've been created they've created themselves at home too it's it's funny um, it's awesome yeah so yeah yeah. And there's, you know, we talk about that thing of um, like when the child is more interested in playing with the box yeah. and the toy within it. And we're like, no, no, it's that's actually our goal. Yeah. That we actually, you know, yeah. we're actually giving them the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's actually what it's we're, actually what we're doing. It's actually truth, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it means, you know, dogs, lots of dogs do need outlets for destruction and dissection. Yeah. Um, so it's one way to give them that. And we do have to be careful at making sure that they're not getting access to inappropriate items mm -hmm. to destroy. And I mean, I have a super destructive dog. I mean, he's 10 and we'll still chew up stuff if he gets like he has the opportunity every day he chews up stuff every day mm. but he is never in his 10 years with me well nine and a half years with me he has never chewed or destroyed anything that he wasn't supposed to have like so he's never chewed skirting mm. boards or shoes or whatever all the other things that 
other dogs chew. Yeah. But he is super destructive and all of the, you know, tough toys and all the rest mm. of it. I've just countless pictures because we find it very amusing that we buy all these indestructible tough toys. And he's like three and a half minutes. He's like, yeah, bring it on. Yeah. There's supposed <laughs> to be one, one apparently. Um, one of the guys down at the center there last Tell week said there's one. Now, don't ask me the name of it now. Oh, <laughs> no good. I never heard of it. So it, it oh. might be something new, but they said that apparently the company will replace it yeah there are a couple of companies that will do that mm. um and i've you know i go into this with the full knowledge that my dog is going to destroy it so i don't go back and go after another small no, business okay. well yeah and i was like all oh, right okay cool um uh, yeah but i mean like he's really super destructive and the thing is is that he gets the opportunity to destroy appropriate things all the time so early on when he was young he was exquisitely managed so he was never unsupervised with things that he could destroy for example or could reach or anything like that so we don't have a counter surfer and we don't have a destroyer of the world Mm. thankfully but but that's because first of all i made sure that he didn't get the opportunity Mm -hmm. to do it and, and even learn that human things were for destroying um but i also made sure that he had so much stuff and i mean when i got him so i'll tell you how old he is telephone books were still a thing and i remember uh like so they're not even a thing anymore well, i don't think they're even produced anymore I don't think um, so. now graham you remember telephone I do. books we're like the same age I do, don't you they go still have go, oh, catalogs so and stuff old. like that don't they do they do they are they still a thing i don't know paper? who knows Browsers. they must be huge now though yeah possibly but yeah um, phone books but God. like i used to give him the old telephone books to destroy so i could get stuff done yeah brilliant. and it was just like this thing is like freely delivered paper. to your house brilliant. and it was just confetti like yeah. it just looked like a wedding had happened or whatever it was just confetti everywhere but yeah. i was like no that's fine he's not chewing but the it table is so and fun and you get, just sweep it yeah, up and put, yeah, yeah. put it in recycle yeah. bin. And it's like i'd put good. food in between some of the pages mm. and things like that and it would just be destroyed it was wonderful i had boxes and like i'd always keep a box and just give him a box to destroy and then clean up the rest afterwards he'd be delighted yeah. with that. but he never had the opportunity to chew anything and never has now touch wood because God, it has to be finished now, but yeah. um, hopefully. But he, I mean, he will. He destroys stuff every day. Still, still motivated <laughs> to do it. Some jaws he's got as well. Yeah. Oh, for God's <laughs> sakes! And it's just, everything is smithereens. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But here, this is what he needs. But again, the dog's behavior is information. He's yeah. telling me what he needs to yeah. do. And you're giving. And it he's to not him. doing. Yeah, exactly. And he's not doing it in a frantic way. He's not doing it in a stressy way. It's pure recreation. Hmm. so that's what we do <laughs> for 10 years and now we're not changing now. no uh, he's awesome <laughs> no. he is, he's the best boy well that's Crackers. that's really cool so there's loads of simple examples loads, of, so many things yeah like literally free things that people mm-hmm. can do they don't have to yeah. go and spend anything Absolutely. Um, and little adjustments that can make massive uh yeah. difference for them and their dog for sure yeah. and so mm-hmm. and talking about the blog um how do people find and follow your blog then so the 100 days, so we should maybe describe, I've kind of gone into this as if people know what we're talking about, mm-hmm. but the 100 days of enrichment is a program that I wrote in 2019 when the 100 days thing hashtag was like a thing. It's not a thing anymore mm. uh, because things are so obsolete in that world. <laughs> and they're like a thing for three months and then not a thing anymore. <laughs> um, and so what it basically is, it's a 100 day program uh, for your dog with different challenges every day. And it because the way that I work in training, I don't call it training, but that's what we do. Um, or what that's what other people would see it as mm. is all enrichment based and all needs based this is basically a 100 day training program uh, that you can do with your dog and each day there is a different theme I suppose um, with a different title and then there will be several different versions of that challenge 
that, you know, from beginners through to advanced and depending on where you are, what your dog does. And you do that challenge for the day. And then the next day, there's another challenge. And I think there's four days, so Monday through Thursday, there are new challenges. Friday, then I give you a list of ingredients and you're to develop an enrichment device or interaction for your dog, the one that suits you. Saturday is all about sniffing. So it's the theme is sniffing. So there's different sniffing challenges on a Saturday. So sniffing Saturday. And then Sunday is a recap day. Hmm. So you get a day because it's a lot, you know, and people will miss a day or they'll want to do a thing again. So you get to go back if you missed one or you get to go back and refine something or you get to go back and change something or try it something again on a Sunday. And that goes on then. So I think it's probably about 13-ish weeks, 13 something, hmm. a few days, weeks uh, to complete the whole entire thing. Um, there's lots of background info there as well so that you can understand all the thing how much you get absorbed and all that is mm. up to you but it'll be you know it'll play out as you go through the stuff the idea is is that you stick with it for as many of the 100 days as you possibly can but it's actually designed that you can dip in at any time yeah so that you know you can start on day 63 if you want i can't remember what day 63 is but you know you can start <laughs> on day 63 or whatever pick a random day you can start on that and if you need prior skills well there'll, there'll be a link to the day that those skills are developed on and you can try that there instead Mm. um so you can start at any point you know that you want to so it's devised so that people can do it every day or that people can dip in and out and um we accompany that then with a facebook group and again we've explained why we do facebook that's really the option at the moment um and um it's a group with the same name and that's where there's thousands of people there that are participating or have participated and they will you know uh, during the downtime where we're not doing a guided run so a guided run is when I actually physically post each challenge every day and I'm there to provide feedback and guidance to people all the time and it's just not feasible to do that all the time so I try and do a couple of runs a year so we're going to start another one in the summer uh, summer 2022 Um, hopefully when I get a bit more under control because we've been closed for the last two years mm. and i've run it a few times over that time because it was a little bit easier to do that but now i'm trying to rebuild the business sure. so uh that's a lot of uh, where my, a lot of where my energy is going right now mm-hmm. um and we're going back to doing stuff again yeah <laughs> yeah culture shock yeah. um so it's it's a lot so i'm hoping to do uh to do another guided run this summer uh, and to have loads more people join in and again it's all free there's no commitment you can join in as you like and really it's the community it's that facebook group that's really the best part of all of it and the regulars and the newbies and people that are just you know trying it out or dipping in and out everybody's welcome whatever way you want to do it you can lurk but really we encourage you to post your photos and videos of you working through the challenge every day to get feedback or you can say you don't want feedback and you just want to show the video and you just want to show your cute dog yeah. that's perfectly acceptable also we will always accept photographs of dogs always <laughs> <laughs> and um and, that, and that's what's going on uh, all the time too in what whatever way that works for you and the great thing about that is it kind of keeps you accountable as well yeah because you know and that's a little bit of there's some social pressure there for Mm -hmm. you to keep going and and to stay with it and and obviously lots of social reinforcement as well because you get lots of lovely words and likes and hearts and all the things community Uh, Mm. yeah exactly and they're just lovely people and there's no crap tolerated so don't worry it's well moderated (laughs) Um, (laughs) i imagine so (laughs) yeah no it is it has to be a nice place to be yeah it has to be a nice place to be for me really is (laughs) (laughs) it has to be a nice place for me that i want to be there um you know and it be a nice place where we're talking in nice ways about dogs and one another and supporting one another and all those things because it can be tough um and there's been some you know and everybody gets involved because we're all we all want to know about everybody else's dog and everybody knows learns everybody's dog's name and they see videos of them and they get to learn a little bit about their personalities and things like that so everybody's in it together so it's a really really nice
nice community. Uh, and that's, again, why it won't ever be a book, I don't think, because we would lose that. Yeah. It's more static and, and less interactive. So I want to keep it interactive. I also want to keep it free um, because mm. I get that not everybody's in, in a position to, uh, you know, to have financial resources and all those other things mm. um, in order to, to, you know, get involved in, in programs like this. But 100 days will always be free um and then like i said there's a little thing that's going on in my brain that's going to come with it it's going to be kind of like a a workbook type thing that cool. you could follow along with a, a kind of an interactive workbook. Brilliant. so that's in development in my head it hasn't gone anywhere Excellent. officially on paper um <laughs> yet um and certainly it's been in development for a little bit of time but that's what what i would hope to do with it um but I'd really like to get going again this summer with it and maybe bring it to some other platforms. So we're talking possibly about doing some stuff on TikTok with it because the kind of challenge yeah. type environment works well on that platform. But we'll see it would require, you know, quite a lot of sanity preserving stuff for, mm. on my part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to learn a new platform and then you have to participate on it because mm. it's social media and that just requires tools maybe that i don't always have because yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it can be you know it can be hard tiktok is not necessarily conducive with animal welfare all the time and i get a little bit mm. frustrated with a lot of the videos i see from there but but then again we have to put good content on it too yeah so exactly. uh to make it better so that's a possibility or i might just go the lazy route and just do it on facebook <laughs> <laughs> as usual we'll see how i feel at the time yeah. I don't make um but yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna be working on updating it soon um because i'd like to update it each run we do so just running through it so keep an eye out for that too okay cool that we'll add new stuff awesome maybe. so how did i get to it then so it's your oh website. yeah that was the that was the actually the original question that no, you no it's asked, okay it's all I good and I'll, I, I, um, I will so, put the link um somewhere cool. either in the show notes or, or when i post it on instagram but the link Thank will be there you. yeah great so it's on our blog so it's aniedireland.com mm-hmm. um and you go there and there's a tab for 100 days of enrichment and you can just go there and they're all listed there all the stuff awesome. everything you need to know is there to do it and there'll be a link a link within that to the facebook group as well so you can join that too okay cool and it's coming in the summer it's again for another run yes yeah there'll be another there'll be a guide run and I'll, I'll post on our page and maybe barkside page as well can post to let people know that it's coming up as well yeah if people are interested to probably when um, this is going to come out anyway so right, okay. yeah yeah yes, that works <laughs> so we'll, we'll try and do it all together yes yep. exactly exactly um and uh and yeah we'll go there and i look forward to seeing lots of people there participating because that'll be great fun awesome that's so cool yeah. well that was really fun mm. Really, cool. really fun. Uh, thanks, thanks so much again. No problem. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it might not be as fun a topic the next time. Who knows? Oh, who knows <laughs> what we'll talk about the next time? <laughs> but um, <laughs> always fun to have you. And thanks so much. Thanks a million. Um, look Love after it. yourself. I'll talk to you again you very too. soon. Bye. 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 Thanks again so much for listening today, guys. And as always, thank you so much for all of the positive feedback and your suggestions. If you enjoy the show, remember to please subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review and recommend it to all of your friends and family to help us reach and help more people and their dogs. Also, please give us a follow on Twitter at BarksidePod and also on Instagram at BarksidePod to help grow our online community. If there are topics you would like to hear us cover in future episodes, please do share those with us on social media or simply mail us at BarksidePod at gmail.com and we will do our very best to cover those in future episodes. Look after yourselves and your doggies. Thanks again for joining us and we will look forward to seeing you here again real, real soon.